welcome back to the Random Horror Show. I am your horror podcast host, is Keisha Lacey. Coming straight, 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 straight out of the Piney Woods or the Iron Pine Curtain of East Texas, as we call it down here. And, of course, I have a really, uh, really, really good, um, good show tonight um hope you enjoy and of course um the random horror show as we go about it and everything else we be goofy silly with some random life film commentary in horror science fiction fantasy cult classics and the obscure in movies television and books and thank you for joining me at tonight's podcast will be the town film the film of it the town that dreaded sundown and um this um is actually loosely based on murders um that like happened um in Texarkana Texas and Arkansas and it was called you know the moonlight murders or the moonlight killer um now back in those days it Texarkana Texas and Texarkana Arkansas uh were small they uh the town of Texarkana is actually a this is a pretty big motherfucker city and everything uh you would not believe it but uh it borders on Texas and Arkansas um, doesn't take you that long to get to Texarkana, really, and everything, just depending on what side you want to be on, the Texas side or the Arkansas side, you name it, you want it, um, name you, pick your poison, which side you want to be on, Texarkana. But these, uh, this um, film is based on the uh, murders that did happen back in 1946. Uh, there was you know, it started off as like, you know, kids going on lover's lane, you know, they're going to get the necking and pecking and, um, copping a feel and, you know, which leads to sex. And there was some guy that had this like sack over his face and he had like these holes, these really dreaded, um, um, you know, just un, just, just, just a messed up ass, like holes that was cut, um, for eyes and um he killed he killed he killed um he killed them um it was about like eight in total i believe three of them actually um survived um they did pin the murder there was like a very uh big uh, uh big thing and stuff because you know this like rocked a small town of Texarkana Texas and Texarkana Arkansas um, this was a very uh, huge safety issue. People were afraid to like ever, you know, go out at night because this this monster was just roaming um, on the backwoods. We have a lot of backwoods. Uh, that is a very popular place if you want to get your freak on and everything. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna like bump them. You know shit you're gonna like spread cheeks and everything clap cheeks you go on back roads that's what 
people still go on back roads and everything. I mean, hey, I mean, if you watch cheaters and stuff like that, there's people that do go on back roads to get 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 it on and everything. But um, but it was very uh, uh it was very devastating for both sides to um you know experience something like this. Um, they did catch um the guy um the wife um was very she pleaded the fifth a lot she pleaded the fifth um and then there was a movie that was made back in 1976 that was uh you know pretty much telling the story of how um this guy like like took the lore um actually these base these loosely based murders called the moonlight um murders and everything and he made the movie and it was very very popular um during that time um and then bloomhouse um had like seen and like this is actually a really uh like bloomhouse is actually uh, did a really, really, really good job, and I was very um, surprised at Bloomhouse because Bloomhouse usually just throw out some movies and stuff. You know, we had Fantasy Island that like tanked and everything. I love Fantasy Island and everything, but like the whole movie was just a disaster. Um, you know, basically, you know, when they got on the island, I knew it was going to be crap. It has some good moments, but Bloomhouse is is more of like a hit and miss with them. Um, but I was very very impressed with how Bloomhouse really did um, understood the um, the nineteen seventy six one, as well as really um, getting down like the whole story. And also, this is a continuation of like those. Um, <clears throat> moonlight murders that rocked um both sides of the uh you know both sides of texas and arkansas um just right you know for um um texarkana now if you're going to go to texarkana anytime soon um it's kind of like that a little bit because um it has changed quite a bit um I know I have a very, very old friend. Um, his second wife, his second ex-wife, her brother was murdered um senselessly. Um, he you know, she comes from um Texarkana, um, you know, and that really um shook her to the core that her brother was senselessly murdered um in Texarkana. Um there have been um, you know, there I don't know now, but I know the gangs were really bad, bad in um, Texarkana. And I remember I drove through Texarkana um, going through Arkansas and I was like, holy crap, I'm in Texarkana. And, and suffice to say, it still had that. Um, when you go into like the downtown area, it does have that very um, small town charm. Um, a lot of towns that, um, in Texas, um, still have like the old buildings. Um, there's a lot of, um, local businesses that do, 
uh, rent these buildings out and they have um, businesses there. Um, you know, some flourished, some died uh, due to like different time, time periods um, within the town. Um, you know, you have like your oil boom, you had uh, all kind of different things that was going on. And it was like towns that was like extremely populated. And then once like, you know, jobs may have, um, companies may have left, big companies have left. Um, there goes the town right there. Um, but you know, you still have thriving small towns like St. Augustine, um, center, um, you name it. I mean, there every there's still like that small little town in Texas, which also um, I'm going to like point out. Um, we had like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <clears throat> and of course, there's a movie that just came out um, last month called X. Um, there. I'm so sick of like we're gonna set everything in small Texas towns. We're gonna I just set up the um whole uh premises of like a horror movie. Yes, it is. It's 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 a it's a very intriguing set up right there. Like ooh, terror, horror, you know, murder, mystery, mayhem. You know, in a small Texas town. Um, I am um. I am a little, little tired of that. I would like to see a horror, good horror movie, um, something like that. That's based like in a small Midwestern town, or uh, I find that to be intriguing, a little bit exotic. <laughs> um, small town in Tennessee, a small town in Alabama or Mississippi. There's a lot of small rural towns, even in Louisiana. I mean, Louisiana has some really good small like towns where you can set like a horror movie, uh, you know, plot with it and stuff. But um, just given the fact that some small town, like the whole small town, Texas town thing, and oh, I'm, 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 so, I'm over it. I'm, I'm definitely over it. But with this movie, I was like, okay, are they going to mess it up or whatever? You know, let me give this a chance and everything. But I, um, I do like uh, this um this one of 2014, um, the town that dreaded sundown. I, um, I was, I was very impressed, uh, just because it had like a low box office of like, when you buy a, uh, four bedroom, two bath, maybe two and a half bath, maybe you get a small swimming pool budget of a hundred and twenty thousand four hundred and fifty nine dollars. Um, that is a pretty good steal, like you know, on the housing market, whenever it was actually good, and you actually can afford to like get a house like on maybe like six percent, you know, mortgage rate or something like that, uh, with a pretty good uh, down payment. Um, I feel that like when you when people see stuff like that, they're just like, oh, it didn't do very well. Maybe because like the marketing was um was you know wasn't present or um, it was a lack there of market but of 
of this movie, but I like this movie because it it does it 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 really do captures of the first movie um and then of course it is based loosely off of a real uh, small town tragic um horror uh murders um that has in reality has happened and um i i applaud to like bloomhouse for um doing this and everything and the person who um uh, really started this um who have um did this is charles b pierce um he is a native of texarkana i don't know what side texas side arkansas side but he um start this up i feel that this uh movie uh, does deserve some more recognition with it uh, it is very um, underrated um, particularly that this is a continuation um, of and of the um, phantom killer you know from the first uh, movie the town that dreaded Santa. even though they both share the same title uh, this is more of like decades from it and um, I, I I just like that. I like that right here. But you also have a really uh, great cast. You have Allison Timlin. Um, you know, you got Anthony Anderson. You got Gary Cole. Come on now. Office Space Gary Cole. Mr. Brady, Brady Bunch, Cole, um, Gary Cole. That damn Gary Cole is something else, though. He is. He is something else. I... I mean, I mean, the cast is like really awesome. I mean, you have Veronica Cartwright. Come on now, Veronica Cartwright in Alien. She was in the uh, Witches of Eastwick. You know, um, gee whiz, you know, she knows her way around a good um, slasher horror film. I mean, she was an alien, man, you know, and then you got Edward Herman. Edward Herman. Edward Herman, man, that was like on Lost Boys, who was the head vampire. The head vampire was trying to get Diane Weiss to be his vampster chick and everything and turn her boys into his stepson vampires and join my Lost Boys and everything. You know, Edward Herman, man, come on now. Like, seriously? And then, and then, not only you had Edward Herman, who was the head vampire in The Lost Boys, you have Dennis O'Hare. Come on now. Come on, people. Dennis O'Hare, Russell Edgington, Liz Taylor of American Horror Story, Hotel. You know, Dennis O'Hare is a really, uh, a very talented actor. And when he played Russell Edgington on True Blood, he was my favorite vampire because that freaking line that y'all remember that scene that he did, you know, of him coming out like, look, people, you humans. I'm tired of this shit. I'm about like over a thousand years old and everything. 
little bit more. And y'all want to think like, oh, we're friends with vampires because you knew Renan, how she was with the Vampire League and shit. Trying to make like the PR of like, oh, vampires are just not going to suck all human blood and we're not going to be doing all that. Russell Edgington snatched all the vampire teeth and edges and everything when he got on that damn uh, newscast though. That was like the season finale of like True Blood. I believe it was going into like season three. And that's when he snatched that news reporter whore and he said, I will eat your children. Boy, I was just like on the floor. I was on the floor. I mean, he literally, like, just, like, I'm just pun intended. He just put his stake through my heart, and I just cracked up laughing and fell back into a coffin and died when he did that. I could not stop laughing. That right there with Dennis O'Hare playing Russell Edgerton, and he was the baddest motherfucking vampire, and Pam was, too. I love Pam, and I love Russell Edgerton. But Dennis O'Hare is um in this movie. He plays um Charles Pierce Jr. um as the son of um Charles Pierce of you know um having this theory about who is restarting back the murders um in Texarkana and um. I have one myself, and, you know, I just said um, I particularly am not a fan um, of, like, everything has to start, you know, in a small rural Texas town that rocked, blah, blah, blah. But real life, um, we had um, some elderly women that were brutally um, um, sexually assaulted. They were raped, um, and they were murdered in their homes. Um, it was, um, one in, um, Troop, Texas. I'm not that far from Troop, um, that is in Cherokee County. And it was two of them, I believe that was, um, in Overton, Texas, which is about 20 minutes away, just right up the street from me in Russ County of where I live. Um, they never found who murdered these defenseless like elderly women and that right there really rocked both of these towns now these towns of troop texas and overton are about like uh, 20 minutes apart and this case it, 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 I mean, they were both, they were brutally murdered in the same fashion. It was somebody that knew them, um, somebody that they trusted. Um, they made it look like it was a break in or whatever. Um, and this was just, it was, it was heinous. It was so heinous of how, um, this person, and I believe this person is still, he's, still walking around and the mo of this person who did this to these um poor um defenseless um elderly women um has an mo of just this disturbing perversion of you know just he has like this really deep-seated hatred um i don't know towards elderly women and I was just 
just taken back, you know, of when the last one that happened and people were scared in both towns. And this is like, these towns are like 20, 25 um, minutes away from each other. Um, and, you know, people had to lock the doors, you know, there was like, I mean, it was a, a, a big, huge panic. Um, you know, there's like, um, at the time when these murders ha um, happened, there was, um, an, there was a nursing home that I used to work at in Troop. Um, it's shut down, um, made into like a halfway house and everything, which is really good to help people out. Um, you cannot imagine like how, uh, not the community have felt, but you know, you have, um, nursing homes and um you know in these both these two little towns and for them to like actually like double down and and be very secure in, in security and things like that because of things you know this this just just rocked like both towns of what um happened and you had very um older uh middle age um, to like elderly women that lived alone, um, just, you know, just watching, you know, just watching their backs because of this, what happened. And I just can't forget, like, you just cannot forget. And it still haunts me that this person is still walking around and like they never did find the person that really did it but there are rumors that this person who has um they're a little bit known um i'm just speaking on a rumor mill um of what i heard and is somehow have a connection with law enforcement um, I don't, um, don't quote me on that, but this is just rumor mill that I have heard years back of why this person is still, um, walking around and I'm so afraid. Um, I, I just, you know, I just don't want nobody to like forget that this could happen, um, again, um, you know, cause you know how serial killers are they go dormant something triggers and they do it again and um we all um don't feel very safe um in rural areas i mean i don't care if you live way off in bfe or you live in a really small town with a population of under 500 or a thousand you we we all lock our doors and we can't be um, too careless because long time ago, we used to not lock our doors. And it was no reason to lock your door because, I mean, oh, my hand itching. I'm getting some money. Um, because because, because there's, there was like no reason for it. But, um, you know, that is a real, that's, that's, it's real. And, um it still it still haunts me today um you know bless their souls that they went through something so terrible because there was this it's the, it's the monster is still out there and this monster just um took their life and we don't know what was his motive really of doing this to these um 
three elderly women that is uh, two towns apart, um, not that far in distance. Um, you know, this was premeditated and it is really calculated. Um, you know, I don't know if the family got any word or any um, type of justice um, with this, um, especially, you know, with their, this is somebody's grandmother, this is somebody's um, great aunt or aunt, um, somebody's mother um, that has been brutally murdered um, in a really cold-blooded fashion. And the um, details are very chilling to the bone. And um, it's the same thing like um, with the real life uh, moonlight murders of how grisly and chilling to the bone how uh, these victims um, have been murdered and everything. But again, the town that dreaded sundown um, has that same type of vibe. Uh, we have Jamie. You see how, like, when I just went all into that, just boom, like that. It just happens like that. But Jamie um, is a sole survivor of the same thing that has happened. She is with her boyfriend. You know, they are in watching the movie, the old movie of The Town That Dreaded Sundown in 1976, uh, where... You know, it was like a tribute, a memorial, a dedication. A um, um, this is like paying respects, um, back of what they did. It was like that really nice. Like I love how they um have that set. You know, with the drive-in, the teenagers are watching um the movies from their cars and stuff like that, and which actually like gives. Um, the teenagers some to do because you know there's a lot of things in small towns they don't have a lot of activities for you know teenagers and things like that and so yeah they um, she couldn't watch it because it was too violent um, you know she felt very uncomfortable and uh, and with that we're gonna find out why she was so so uncomfortable and, and there's a big big story um, behind Jamie what's gonna be unfolding um, so her and her boyfriend, Corey, Corey's that typical, you know, um, I have like great parents and my dad, he went to Texas Tech and, you know, my family went to Texas A&M and all that shit, you know what I'm saying? Look at him, a football scholarship, blah, 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 blah. You know, he was that type of guy. I mean, it was like that whole, and it, you know, and that's the reason why I like it because it had, it, it, they understood that whole Texas teenager romance because that shit is so weird. It may feel so stereotypical, but it does exist and it does not make any sense. And I'm like, Phew, I'm so glad I escaped that, <laughs> you know, it was in high school. And guess what? There was a guy peeping at them while they were finna get hot and heavy in the car, making out and getting ready to have sex. He was in a burlap sack, badly um, cut eyeballs and everything, you know, eye, eye hole sacks in there and in the sack part, you know what I'm trying to say. And he just kept staring. And then, of course, he comes, he busts out the window. Um, he tells Corey to get on the ground. He 
straddles Corey on his butt and pull his pants. And yeah, I told Corey to pull his pants. I was like, okay, we're going to go do, we're going to be all like that. And then all of a sudden it started to feel like we did that. I was like, oh, this is kind of feeling like a snuff film, like a 70s snuff, uh, like down we in the basement. We got to watch this snuff film because it's like that, like that type of film like off a of eight millimeter or something. And then um, she sees that Corey is getting stabbed by the fan killer. She turns around and I liked how they had the blinking light of like, you see the shadow of the, uh, the phantom killer stabbing Corey in the back. And the shadow is casting from the car light onto this red, you know, dirt hill, and she turns around, she takes off running, um, he takes off running too, and I'm just like, does this fool have the fucking speed of Michael Myers or something, and Jason Voorhees, because this is really ridiculous, and he catches up to her, um, all we know is that she's running back to the, um, drive-in little movie that they were playing the, um, movie, and she's crying, she's distraught, you know, she's in shock, and, um, this all happening again, and he tells her to remember Mary, and she was like, who the hell is Mary, so she is the sole survivor of this, um, brutal attack, um, Corey is dead, um, Corey's mom blames, um, you know, her for the death of her son and it was like she was paying her respects and she was trying not to feel guilty because you know that's you know you can't do all that and she was just calling her a slut and stuff I'm like oh my god come on now mom like I understand your son's dead and everything but seriously um she just you know she was just she was just distraught over her son being you know getting brutally murdered and she's the only survivor um, we come to find out that um, Jamie is living with her grandmother, uh, who is played by Veronica Cartwright. Um, she has um, guardianship over Jamie because Jamie's parents um, was killed in a car wreck. Um, the car wreck, she feels, was her fault. It was um, a sleepover that she had with her friends. And the friend's dad pretended to be and pretend to be the phantom killer as a little prank joke to scare the girls, you know, during their sleepover. Well, that bothered Jamie at 12 years old. And she's like, no, I don't play that shit. You know, I just come over here to eat some popcorn, watch some scary movies. You know, we, we do the little girl, 12 year old girl shit, braid hair, paint nails. Talk bad about some little girl, how her, uh, she smelled like pee and everything else. She was looking forward for something like that. So she had a very um, normal um, childhood until he did that. And she was just like, I don't play that. And so she called her parents. Um, there was a wreck. Her parents um, were killed instantly in the wreck. She was the only survivor. survivor. She had a lot of grief she had a lot of depression she was on so many medication and so 
changed her because she um, seen her parents was dead and she carried that grief and that guilt with her for a long time like if I didn't make that call my parents will still be alive um, but she got off her meds she chose to deal with with it on her own terms and not be drugged up as a zombie because she wanted to um, uh, feel something again and she knows that um, it's not her fault and you know she goes to therapy for it and then you know since Corey has been murdered right in front of her well you know and everything else that night um, this is like pulling back all of that guilt and stuff that she thought she has conquered because of her parents um, you know getting killed in the car wreck instantly and she blamed herself for that now she's feeling that same dread of blaming herself again for Corey's um, death and um, it actually pulls a lot from the old movie um, you know you had uh, more murders it was a um, and a couple, you know, of course, there's some TNA up in here and everything. Um, soldier comes home, sees his girlfriend. Oh, they hunt like motherfucking rabbits in their hotel room like it was nobody motherfucking business. They were knocking windows off the law, wall, paint, everything else, crown molding and shit. You know, I, I get it. I get it. I was like, hey, I'd be the same thing too. I had a boyfriend that I ain't seen and months and months and everything i'm so happy to see his ass i'll be pulling my drawers off too uh, when we get inside the car but um they were murdered um at the um hotel um i was like well damn this murder actually this this phantom kill actually works very fast and that is the part right there that we're going to come to in a little bit um but yeah um, there was more murders, and oh my gosh, um, this is where you drag in Lone Wolf Morales of the Texas Rangers. Um, people have were having a town meeting both sides because they were like, "Look, this is a problem. You know, this is happening again. Uh, we don't want this shit right here because now uh, we don't. We you know, the the citizens experienced this." Back in 1946. Now we seeing this shit again? Come on now. Could it be the same person? No, it's not. This dude is dead. They're like, what's up? You know, could be a copycat killer. And then, of course, we um, have, um, you know, we have the preacher who is played um, by Edward Herman, Reverend Hardwood. He was basically, you know, and I'm anonymous and I'm and I'm a testament to this right here. Um, you do have, it is very, uh, very religious. Um, this is the Bible belt, belt. This is the Bible belt. And I'm just going to say it. Texas is in, uh, the ass crack of the Bible belt. You know, we are straight up in the booty hole. Um, probably a little bit more like in the colon, probably tickling the prostate and everything, but we're right up in there. 
and he brings up points of like how it's demonic you know people uh you know this man the sinners you know you know you know how it is they gotta throw up all the church shit and everything all the religious stuff and it was like some people that um brought their bibles and talking about how much we done pulled jesus out of schools and uh and all this this rock and roll and all this sinning and this sex and you know, y'all showing the demons uh, uh, work, you know, the devil's work with this movie. This movie has warped people's minds, and blah, blah, blah. And y'all worse, you know, it's shit like that. You hear all my, you hear my accent coming out, my twang and stuff. Yeah, I'm talking like them. I'm talking like them. This is like what I have experience of this type of stuff. Um, especially when you in smaller towns, um, they are, a lot of them are good people, but a lot of them are very afraid. They're close minded, anything different. Oh my God, that's the devil. Uh, we bring in sin in. Um, yes, it's, it's, it's like that. It's like that. That's the reason why I keep to myself. <laughs> I really do. And, um, and you have um, Charles Pierce. He was just like, oh my gosh, these people and everything. But now this is the, the straight reason why I like this movie is because you feel that Charles Pierce Jr. is since he is uh, his father made this film, um, the um, the film that they watch um, that, you know, it makes him more of like a very suspect, you know, like he's very sus because he knows the, the, the movie, the material, the everything else like that, because he can be easily pinned um, as like the Phantom Killer. But guess what? He really isn't. He just knows his shit about this and everything. Kind of have like a little bit of a scream feel with it. And you get what I'm going to say. So you have uh, Nick. Nick uh, has been um, had a huge crush on Jamie. Um, you know, Jamie goes to like research about the um, history of the murders that has happened um, in her town. Um, she heard bits and pieces from the older people and stuff. And so she's like, I'm finna, you know, this has happened to me and, you know, I'm not going to run away. Um, I'm definitely going to like find evidence and things like that to link this up because I don't want nobody else to get hurt, um, you know, um, in this town. And, you know, she didn't have to do that and everything. She, she really didn't want to. Um, you know, stay like kind of a victim and stuff. So that's what she did. There was also um, a guy who pretended to be the Phantom Killer. He showed up at the um, candlelight vigil for the uh, for the soldier that has been murdered, his girlfriend, and also for Corey. Uh, he was shot and killed on instant. Um, come to find out, it was a guy that had uh, emotional issues. Um, he was very suicidal, so he found an opportunity way to off himself like that, of pretending like, hey, I'm the Black Phantom Killer, you know, it was just a, it was a cop-out way for him to, like, leave this earth, but they felt like they did get the, um, murderer, the killer, the Phantom Killer, um, which later on they found out it wasn't him that they shot at the candlelight vigil, Visual, visual, it's a hard word. Um, there was two teenage boys that were, uh, you know, 
um, at a banquet. They played um, in the jazz band and they were entertaining the mayor um, on the other side. I believe it was um, the Arkansas side and they were the next victims um, in the murders and stuff. Um, they were very watched, um, you know, and they were two boys. They was just like, you know, they was trying to figure out, you know, their sexuality and everything. And you could tell they really liked each other and stuff. And, um, they were murdered. I was like, oh my God, why they got to murder the little teenage boys? I was like, man, they were just, I was like, they just, I was like, they can't, they, they just, they just want to have some time alone. They want to make out, you know, they had to keep that secret. And that is, um, another thing right there is that a lot of times, um, you know, you still, um, have that stigma where, you know, uh, gay, uh, you know, like, especially teenagers, um, you know, that, really are, you know, um, finding out they are attracted to the same sex and everything. Um, you know, they have to keep that a secret. Some come out and everything else, but you know, you still have like a bit of that backlash, especially in a small, small town. Um, you still have like people that are like, even in small towns, you still, um, have that right there, that backlash, but you know, the more, um, openness that people, um, have with, um, especially, um, with, uh, LBGT, um, Q students and everything, um, you know, you, you have some, you have some love with that, but, you know, for them, they have to keep it a secret. They were murdered. Um, wow. And it was in the same fashion as just like the first movie, um, Nick and, um, Jamie, um, they did, um, get together, um, I find it like a little bit inappropriate in a way, but because I was just like, damn girl, like your boyfriend got killed and everything. I mean, I know Nick is cute and stuff, but I'm kind of like, but you know, in a way I kind of feel, um, the reason why that has developed because ever since, um, you know, her, uh, tragic story with, um, her parents, um, instantly getting killed, it did make her into an outsider, and, um, you know, um, people kind of find her to be very weird, very closed off, um, things like that. I mean, she was like, but, you know, it was people like, you know, the students, her peers were still kind of like, I don't know, like, she's kind of weird, you know what I'm saying? She's the one that like, you know, actually, you know, that was her fault that her parents died, you know, shit like that. You know, a lot of people don't understand that, um, especially, um, they don't have like, empathy or compassion of, you know, with somebody that has had, um, have to deal with death. And, um, I see, um, I do see that like with her and Nick getting together because he was, um, very, um, uh, understanding. Um, he did cross the line with her. Um, she got upset and, you know, she wasn't playing that shit and everything. And that's good. And she's like, yo, you, you know, you stepped over my boundaries. Like, get the fuck out of my car. Get the fuck out. And he apologized. I mean, he did not, you know, go, oh, girl, you know, you being like that, you know, forget you and your, your, your stupid shit and everything. But he really liked Jamie. And, and he was like, yo, I have a chance, you know, 
I'm not going to like rush this shit with her. She really do need somebody uh, to comfort her, to like, you know, to help her out, like very uh, emotional support for her. And that was really nice. Um, he was very genuine. It was very nice and very genuine of Nick to be um, there for Jamie and, and her grandmother too. Um, she, she was, she was very alone, um, in this situation, but she had Nick and she had, um, her grandmother. Now, um, the sheriff gets killed. Um, Gary Cole, uh, who plays the sheriff, um, he gets killed. God dang it, man. God dang it. I was like, man, that is a messed up way to get murdered. Um, you're having the best time of your life you're getting head and you get shot in the eye i was like oh my god point blank he got shot and i was like oh my god that is so unfair i was like his killing was so uh, that was the most unfair killing ever and i was like this man was receiving the best head of his fucking life he gets killed and I was like Jesus and of course you know the lady of the evening she she got killed too um same pattern same fashion they was um found um it was it was really getting bad um you know they decided to leave town and this is where it gets so oh my gosh i just could not believe this i was like this it, it was i was just like oh my gosh really that's like how i was into this movie because i could not believe in this scene that jamie and her grandmother were leaving. She gives the um, deputy um, a, you know, a big, huge file of what she compiled from interviewing Charles Pierce Jr. And, you know, the files that she found in the courthouse about the Phantom killings, um, the Phantom, uh, you know, killer and the murders with it. And um, they compile their theories and everything. And to help them out because, you know, she has so much good intentions for like this to stop. And she did not want anybody else to get harm um, in her town. And so she decides to, you know, hey, I guess I go to college in California and leave out of Texas and everything. And, you know, my grand's going to be with me and I'm going to be with my uncle and, you know, I'm going to be safe. And, you know, she's like, I can finally live a normal life and everything. But god dog that scene was just so oh that was so jarring right there oh my god her grandmother gets shot i was just like no and there was other people that got shot oh my god it was it was it felt like it it, it, it was it was it was like just straight something that like you would see in action movies that taking like hitman shots oh, i was just like oh my god i mean i'm like poor jamie i'm like oh my god and i was like no not her grandma i was like damn that was a family though i'm like i felt that shit 
Well, this is the last scene, um, the final act um, in this. Um, Jamie was, you know, was taken off and she was just like, you know what? I'm sick of this shit. She's like, shit, I'm going to fight back. And it was right by the railroad, like the last um, victim that has, um, they found um, that was split and things like that, you know, and then there was the cutoff of like all the murders and come to find out that, um, <clears throat> Mr. Corey, Mr. Corey ain't dead. Miss Corey is live and well. Corey, <sighs> Corey was so spoiled, so rotten and, and fucking entitled that he was so jealous of Jamie. He had this underlying resentment and hate towards Jamie. Even they were dating, and they were dating too. That she has this very bright future of leaving Texas. That she does not have to follow into uh, the family footsteps like he had to do um, with his uh, lineage, his parents, and you know his you know grandfather and uncles. You know how that shit is. Um, that these people has predestined his future you know, for him to do the same thing like them. And he felt that was so freaking unfair that she can make, she can forge her own life. She has been, um, through hell and back, you know, she has a grandmother. That's the only, um, relative that she has that's in Texas and that she has like bigger, opportunities and chances to get out of that small Texas rural town and um, I'm going to explain about that stuckness and everything and of course he gets shot and then she was like oh shit this is like some scream shit right here we got two motherfucking murderers right here and guess who it was it was the deputy that has been watching her all this time as for surveillance while he sits there and watches her to be on his job Corey, on the other hand who faked his death was doing the same repeated murders just like they did back in 46 um for for Corey, it was something fun it was something that yeah take that motherfuckers he 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 was very he was disturbed and to me for him to go out with Jamie I think he was just was one of those sociopaths that fed off of Jamie's um you know uh tragedy um that happened to her of losing both of her parents um his um hatred towards her of the better opportunities that um, she has. And he was just so boiling with this, like, just, just this unbridled hate um, towards Jamie. And it was. It was fueled by um, his hate. Uh, that's the reason why they concocted this and then come to find out that this deputy that was watching her is actually um, the son of the um the phantom the phantom killer 
and she shot his ass. She she pulled a fucking Sydney on his ass like like Sydney did Billy Loomis, and his body floated in the swamp. They couldn't find him, and she went off to California. She went to college. She was free. She missed her grandmother. She didn't have any family. She lived with her uncle, and then we see this foreshadowing of somebody following her while she was um, walking um, to her dorm room, and that was the end of the movie, and um, I, uh, like I said, Bloomhouse really did do a wonderful job of this movie, um, it does, like, open um, how people can feel very stuck in a small town, um, some people have different circumstances. Some people got married very young and had kids very young, divorced and everything, the typical shit like that. Some um, actually have family that hold them back of how Corey um, felt. Um, he feels that his family was holding him back. They have predestined his whole plan, his life for him, that where he does not have to worry. But um, Corey was really just want to have a voice um, for himself and everything, um, you know, you have, like, so many things about small towns, um, people think they're idyllic, people think they're boring, and things like that, but there is action, but sometimes the little action that a lot of small towns will get will actually are not the best ones, <clears throat> You do have drugs. Um, you do have a lot of um, shady, crooked law enforcement, as we've seen with the deputy, <coughs> who's actually is the um, the son of the um, the phantom killer. Actually, it was his grandfather that was a phantom killer, as like the movie um, have um, produced, and his father. And then he had a son, which is the deputy um, coming. Um, you also um, have it where you, um, he made it to like where, how this town like actually worshiped this movie of these real uh, life murders that happened. And when he took that spot of becoming the phantom killer, and of course, like having Corey to help him out, you know, so he could easily make it look like, you know, it's just one person is actually two, um, that he was like, remember, you know, remember that legacy, remember, you know, <clears throat> I'm still here. And I, um, I thought that was very, very clever of that to have like that, um, continuation of it with another um, generation um, it was like people have forgotten about it people went on about their lives <clears throat> excuse me I need some water I don't have any water there was some Arnold Palmer that I made <coughs> excuse me and um, they did um, it was it was like remember we gonna we gonna we gonna rock this we rocked this cat town about fifty some years ago and we're gonna rock this bitch again. And um this it was it was like it was basically a revenge um a movie, it really was. 
and um, I feel that they um, did a really great job with the source material of keeping it um, in the same stride as like the first one. Um, I believe the actors who did a wonderful job of were having really good um, names. Even Ed Lauder was in this movie, um, really did a great job. Um, you know, um, it does um, have a bit of that um, scream like the last girl standing or survivor like um, Sydney Prescott. You know, we have this with Jamie, but um, it was very vague at the end of like, is this, you know, somebody continuing on to off Jamie to um, keep this um, phantom um, killer um, spirit alive or it's just somebody just falling behind her. Um, you know, it's just a showing that she's letting her car down. But um, I like that good old mystery, that good old horror slasher mystery and everything. But I do recommend y'all watch this movie, though. And, um, and, you know, it's one of, it's one of the, it's one of the, uh, one of my, um, becoming a really favorite one of my, even though I'm so sick of the whole, um, based in a small Texas rural town trope that they use as a setup for like horror slasher movies or mystery movies or anything else like that. But, um, this one in particular, uh, does have like a reality based, um, loose based story with it. Um, that's what makes it very, um, um, a really, really good one. Um, you know, don't knock a movie by the cover. Um, you know, Bloomhouse really did do an excellent job on this movie. And, you know, and I wish Bloomhouse would come out with more movies, um, that actually has like a lot of substance that they did with this one. They really did take a lot of care with it. Um, I know Ma, they did Ma. Ma was just crazy and everything. That was a crazy movie from Bloomhouse. But um, this one from Bloomhouse, I, I, um, I like commend them for doing this movie. I really do. And um, I, I was very impressed. And I was very into it. And I'm yelling and screaming and shit and everything. And it kept me on my toes. It really did. It kept me on my toes. Um, it didn't even drag. I, I didn't feel this movie dragged. Um, and if it was a draggy ass movie, I wouldn't even be talking a lot about it, but, um, I, I felt the pacing was really good. It did not drag for me. Um, just very, it just had a very solid, um, storyline and it made a lot of sense. It really made a lot of sense, um, to me. Um, I didn't see too many plot holes in this movie. Um, it, and it, it was, um, I probably just disregarded and everything because I was just very swept up into the mystery of it and enjoyed it. But that is enough of my time. Thank you so much for joining me with tonight's podcast, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, loosely based murders on the Moonlight um, murders that happened in Texarkana, Texas and Texarkana, Arkansas. So to do, you have a good night and thank you for listening to The Random Horror Show.